This begins our second segment. This section is called The Life Everlasting. I want to ask, can you fathom forever? Can our minds actually grasp eternity? Can you imagine living in a world without sin or suffering or death? Since it boggles our minds to even try, sometimes the reality of eternal life can seem more like a fairy tale. And some will say that eternal, eternal life seems like a fairy tale because it is. Our culture today is in many ways unique when compared to the whole of human history. And one of the primary ways in how it's unique is just how many people have rejected any acknowledgement of a spiritual reality or an unseen reality to this life. A large segment of uh, Western population have adopted this materialistic, atheist worldview. This view rejects anything that you can't sense with your five physical senses. Um, so certainly the idea of an afterlife wouldn't be permitted by such convictions. But why discount spiritual reality? Doesn't the physical reality that we all witness around us every day testify to our spiritual creator God? The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19. So we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe that we're smart enough, good enough, strong enough, or independent enough to not need God? A materialist atheist might say, well, show me God, and then I'll believe in him. But the sad fact is that all of our hearts tend toward this attitude, even Christians. We who profess to believe in the invisible God still often live our lives as if all that is real is what we see, hear, touch, smell, and taste. And we engage with the world according to our own wisdom instead of God's. And at the end, Death is the inevitable reality that we all must face, just like every human being who has gone before us. How do we do this? Well, the materialist worldview may seem plausible for a moment until we consider all the ways that God has made himself known throughout the course of human history, especially in his work to reverse the curse of sin and death. We have to come to the person and work of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, who brought light into our darkness, who brought life to what was dead, who made the invisible God visible. In John 17, 3, Jesus goes on to describe the essence of eternal life. He says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This knowledge isn't simply an intellectual exercise. It's not just an assent to a certain core set of truths. Um, this knowledge is a relational knowing. It's a trusting. And it's this kind of trusting that unites you uh, to God through Christ and by the Holy Spirit. It's a personal knowing of the triune God. But what does that eternal life actually look like? When does it begin? How does it inform my sense of identity? Well, if we begin to know God through Jesus Christ today, then in some sense, Jesus says eternal life begins right now. 
But we also await the fullness of what this life will look like on the day when Christ returns, or when we pass through death into the presence of God. But we still have so many questions, right? Will I see my friends and family again? Will my dog be there? What will it be like? Well, there's much that we simply do not know because God hasn't told us. What about my husband or wife? Will we still be married in heaven? Well, Jesus actually does answer this question in Matthew 22. He's approached by the Sadducees. This is a group of Jews who rejected the reality of eternal life, of of resurrection. They asked him, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answers in verse 29, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. You see, the Bible gives this picture of marriage as really an earthly institution, which will come to an end at death, and ultimately an end because at the very end, It's meant to be a picture. Marriage is to be a picture of really the only marriage that will be in heaven, which is between the Lord Jesus and his bride, his church. Um, Revelation 19 to 22 tells us this. So, we may not know exactly what awaits us in the new heavens and the new earth, but one thing we do know is that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the great hope of all who put their trust in Christ, knowing him and receiving eternal life. So how does all of this impact our identity? Simply this, you and I were made for glory. For those trusting in Christ, we can rest assured that this life's light and momentary afflictions, as 2 Corinthians 4 puts it, are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We know that the sufferings of this life will not last forever. They're light and momentary compared to the glory that awaits us. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Friends, in eternal life we will see God face to face. The invisible God that now we see with the eyes of faith, we will then see with the eyes of of our hearts and in reality. We will know the fullness of eternal life in Him because God is the real treasure of heaven. And his love will be our greatest delight for all eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal 
fire.